Welcome to Lennox for the Rest of Us, episode 258. This is the show where we try to talk about anything except for Enterprise Linux, because Enterprise Linux puts everybody to sleep, even those who use it. Um, my name is George Geek. I am the owner, administrator, operator, president, yada, 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 of Podcast.com. I am joined this evening by Mr. Jonathan Nadu. How is everything going, my man? Everything is well. Greetings and salutations to everyone in Podnuts land. So I got to first ask you, because this is ceremonial, uh, we just went through another holiday season. How was your holiday, sir? Uh, this one actually was much better than last year's, uh, much better for the kids, that is. So everyone had uh, a good Christmas this year. Well, if we don't do it for the kids, then there's really no sense in doing it, is what I'll say. Exactly, exactly. Um, this is a dollar late and a couple days short, but this is, again, the most dangerous, deadliest time of the year. I will encourage everyone to reach out to people, reach out to someone you have not talked to in a while, and just say, how's everything going? Do a little check-in. Um, between you and me personally, now half of my wedding party, the men's side, is now dead due to drug-related activities is the way I'll put it. So, not good. Jeez, okay. Well, my wedding party, everyone's still alive, so that's good. That's good. Take it where you can get it. Yeah, exactly. And my wedding party was gigantic. I think there was, like, something ridiculous. We had, like, eight groomsmen or bridesmaids. You know, it was ridiculous. That That is a hell of a lot. Um, My, we didn't have a lot of dinero, so I want to say there was only me and three, and that's it. Okay, yeah. No, it was it was ridiculous. Mine was. Well, that's good. Um, I will also say um, this is also the time of the year where I, as a administrator, as a boss, as president, once again, prove that I'm completely incompetent and I have no sense of time and I do not organize or schedule anything correctly. I swore next year was the year I was going to get notified by HostGator that I owe them a couple hundred dollars. So I did not properly plan for that. So I'll say if you would like to you have extra income sitting around and you as a listener would like to help pod nuts out, kick a few shuckles this way. Um, that would be definitely appreciated. I want to say the bill is due January 24th. And I really don't want to go to my wife and owe her any more than my life. You know, just saying. Yes, um, we don't need that. So let, let's yeah. help out here. Now, if you can, you can. If you can't, just send me an email saying hi, check in, make sure everything's doing good on your guys' end. I will say, in the world of Linux, we have had a couple things now. I will say I'm going to take the definitions and stretch them out a little bit. But first, Jonathan, you said you wanted to uh, address a couple accessibility or lack of accessibility things. Oh, dear Lord. I'll try not to take too long and try not to throw anyone under the bus or or one particular person that is under the bus but you know i uh been using windows sadly for a while now for a few years and i, I only say sadly because i love open source i am a huge proponent of open source and it pains me to literally use windows but anyways that, that's like a whole other side story but so what got me off of Linux to begin with is I was using Thunderbird one day. I'm using like Manjaro and you know, I wasn't using any slouch of a computer and I'm using Thunderbird and all of a sudden to go through your, you know, my emails, I have to hit an arrow key and I can see another email, read the subject line, hit the arrow key, see the subject line. And so, you know, I hit the arrow key and nothing's going to happen. And I'm like, what? And, you know, it's kind of taken a while. And, they, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, that was a glitch or whatever, you know. So you do it again. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's like it's literally taking, like, no lie, like 60 seconds, if not longer, to hit the arrow key down and for it to read the next line of an email. And I'm like, all right, maybe something got messed up. So long story short, I, like, cleared out the configuration file, started over from scratch, did a couple of, like, installs of different distros, like maybe the... Thunderbird's jacked in that distro. Long story short, no. Thunderbird was just working that way. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't like do work if it takes me literally a minute just to see what my next email is. Like, that's just ridiculous. So from that day, I literally had to go to Windows, install Thunderbird. Voila, I could hit the arrow key down. Oh, I could see my next email, you know? And did I like that? No. But, you know, I had to, I had to get back to work here. And so I've been on Windows for years. And now I have a job where I'm, you know, I'd like to be back on Linux. I need to like use Git and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, finally, I have a reason to kind of get back into Linux. Here's where my problems begin. 
I go to install, I you know, I install Ubuntu Mate, which is great. Everything's working fine. Dude, the screen reader, once I started Orca, I feel like I went back in time. Like, I feel, I feel like the accessibility in Linux was where I left it, if not worse, when I, when I stopped using it. Like, the, when I put the speed of the screen reader up as fast as it could go, it was nowhere near what I'm used to. Like, I, I, I was just blown away by the ridiculousness of, like, how, how much it didn't improve. Like, it, it blew my mind. And then I started trying to use it, and I'm like, you know what? I've had people recently reaching out to me asking about Linux and accessibility stuff. It's embarrassing. I wouldn't want anyone. Like, honestly, at this point in time, if you're used to using Windows, you're used to using NVDA, or if you're on a Mac or whatever, and you go to use Linux, you're taking a step back with accessibility. Like, at this point, you got to, like, believe in open source or, like, want to die on the hill of open source and use it to want to use accessibility in open source. And that's just sad. That's kind of nuts. I mean, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, you saying such a thing just tells me we have room to improve. We have room to get better. We know where things can be done, but this is not 2010 anymore. No, dude. I mean, when I first got into Linux and those you know, gutsy given was the first distro I used. Oh, 7.10 for Ubuntu. And at that time, Orca was comparable to JAWS. Like it, it might have been a little bit less before, but it was comparable. It was it was worth you kind of getting in there and getting your hands dirty and kind of putting up with some things. But now it's just downright not even as good. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's embarrassing. Is is really what it is? See, and it's one of those things I want to try to say. Well, maybe it's your experience. Maybe it's that spin of Linux. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Um, I can't. I can't even begin to even try to make up examples of why it could be. I will say my no, experience no. in Thunderbird in Linux is all over the place. Um, where it seems like for like six months or so, it keeps getting a little bit slower because I keyboard control everything. So just to tab from my inbox over to the debt and arrow down sometimes will take way too much time. Um, part of me thinks, well, maybe I should compact my inbox. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's the trick. But it literally seems like there's almost no rhyme or reason to Thunderbird slowing, slowing down, except lack of development being done to it is the only thing I can guess. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, sadly, Thunderbird, it kind of like lost funding for a while. And, and you know, and, and I get that. It's Nope's first project or whatever, but it's just like, if it's going to lack on the accessibility sites, like, you know, or at least under Linux, I mean, like I said, on Windows, it's significantly better. But, you know, and, and I didn't even get to the point of installing Thunderbird on Linux when I started using it. Dude, I was using, I got Ubuntu made install. I got Orca running. I jumped in the terminal. I couldn't stand using Orca in a terminal. That's how bad it was. Like, I was just like, I don't even want to use Git and Orca in a terminal. That Like, that's how it's on 100%, and I feel like I'm on Quaaludes with the screen reader. And I was just like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say I understand what you mean by if I have to listen to something at 1x or watch something with my wife at 1x, it literally feels like I was medicated. And For I real, just, dude. Yeah. Seriously. You're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I'm, and I feel like I could go to the kitchen, get a drink, go to the bathroom, come back, and I would only miss like eight seconds worth of content. For real. Exactly. exactly. You know, but but that's what, again, that's what, it's just sad that it feels like I, I didn't, I, I took a step back in time or something. Like, I feel like, like I said, I literally didn't, I left off accessibility where I left it or whatever with, with Linux. And that's just, it's sad. You know, like, I don't know, on, on a lot of levels, you know, as, especially because I was trying to be a proponent of it. And, you know, but anyways. Yeah, I mean, the one in, in like, to me, to give like a off, a armchair quarterbacking diagnosis of what is all going on with this kind of thing is the example I use to the normal user is, you know, 20 years ago, you would go to a web page and the web page was only like two megs in size. Nowadays, you go to your typical web page and it's easily 20 megs in size. It literally increased tenfold in size of content when you download. Um, every desktop operating system, every desktop interface, whether it's Mate, whether it's XFCE, uh, GNOME, any, all of them now expect so much more um, 
power behind them, so much more processing power behind them that they literally become more and more ignorant to being efficient on their processes. Now, with that said, it also wouldn't shock me if the inverse is true. The people behind Orca literally don't have enough anything to keep their code base up to make it compiled in an efficient fashion to make sure that it is now primed with these new hardware specs, with these new kernel specs, with these new desktop expectations. So it is just literally slowly falling behind the wayside until some miracle happens or they start to get some real competition from something else in its field. And it's the sad thing is, I mean, you've been over this many times, Jonathan, every single day that ticks by, more people need accessibility, not less. So to have worse accessibility exactly. as time goes on, it's going to encourage nobody to use Linux in the long run. Oh yeah, no, I know, and <laughs> I get this. This go this could go down so many like rabbit trails or whatever. But way back in the day, I had someone you know try to push some Orca code, and that went nowhere fast. I, there's a lot I learned with all that, but I, you know, like I said, it's just. I I don't know. There's a lot of things wrong with that that, that issue. Oh, and, and the one thing you were kind of talking about though, this laptop that I bought, dude, it's a it's an AMD Hexacore 4.2 gigahertz processor with like 20 gigs of RAM. Like this thing should have been chewing up and spitting out like Orca on the command line. I should it should have been like typing out stuff for me. You know what I'm saying? Like it should have been <laughs> knowing what I wanted in my hand before I typed it out. Like this thing is smoking fast. This computer, you know. Yes, that's not good. Um, I will say I also am not a fan of all of the hardware ah, forking, I guess, is going on. Um, and in some ways, it's inevitable, okay? We have AMD rising becoming more prevalent than ever on cards, ATI diminishing in respect in every level. You have Intel coming out with discrete graphics card, okay? Then... You have ARM processors becoming real big boys wearing trousers and wearing like um 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 <laughs> uh, uh, and like being able to run desktop like things. Um, and then you have Risk V coming out of nowhere, where you are already having major manufacturers get the number one most profiteering stock in tech last year was um 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 it was um. Oh man, it's a motherboard manufacturer out of Taiwan, like micro chips. I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, but it is already announced that it is starting to do risk V server architecture. Um, so we're only going to see more fracturing, more, f no kidding, more huh. like choices in all of these different hardware at re, re aspects. Yeah, yeah. So it's only going to be a little bit harder unless the tools become really mature really quickly for content creators for software developers for operating system people to d develop once distribute all around. Um, I really do hope that any day now Rust is going to become a lot more popular in Linux to make a lot of our desktop like experiences just smoother, quicker, snappier. Yeah. I mean, my friend was using, uh, you know, mate on my laptop. He's like, dude, this thing's smoking fast. And he's like, but he saw me using the screen reader. He was just like, that's atrocious. You know, it, it was Mike, you know, he, so he he saw me using the screen. He's just like that's that's terrible. Yeah, that that that's literally kind of crazy. Um, the other thing I'm going to mention is I did finally okay now between me and Jonathan, uh, my main rig here I would use for podcasting and for studio work was an HP. No, I'm not going to say it was an elite book, but it was a nicer HP laptop that I got from a listener uh, two or three weeks ago or so. The main processor fan died on it. I didn't have time to play with it, so I literally just took the laptop, put it on the side. So now I have a two, two and a half year or three year older laptop that is my main rig. I had to build it up from scratch. Um, there were a lot of things that I decided I'm not going to install until I need them. Let's wait, hold, let's hold off. But one of the things I did uh, do was I did take the advice of one of our listeners and I did install i3 window manager as my window manager, but KDE Plasma as my desktop environment. I'm going to say, it's Ooh, little, that's cool. Uh, and I will say it's a little bit confusing at first. The only feature that it is lacking is on the old I3 bar at the bottom, you could mouse over that any part of that bar, scroll your wheel, and you would go to different desktops. 
That feature is missing okay. where, where I have to be on the actual window manager spot to do that. Um, it, besides that, I wonder if you can set up shortcut keys like to do it instead. Uh, see, I tried to research. Well, I already have like um, Windows key and number in order to jump back okay. before. And I have Windows oh, right, key right, right. and tab to go back and forth between them. Um, so I'm like, mostly there is what I'm going to say. Oh, I also have Cupfer installed to where I can literally just hit my hotkeys, start to type the name of a window, and it will automatically jump to that workspace. So it isn't like... Oh, that's cool. All right, so you got, you got a little workarounds then. Yeah, so it isn't like I can't do what I want to do. But having the actual full-featured start menu when I need it, uh, having access to the full like applets down by the time is unbelievably refreshing is what i'm going to say um so it is working <laughs> and i yeah, think I'm i gonna mean those, those plasma applet things are powerful yeah they're powerful and i like one of the things i like is that their uniformity across the app when you click it and you open it you already know how to navigate it mm, mm. so it's got a good ux yeah um uh, well i'll say um they all follow the same ux design of uh, so that makes it at least I'll see a little bit. That's one of the drawbacks I will say to the GNOME type applet environment is, however they decide to do this one is however they decide to do to do this one. Yeah, you know what? I think honestly, from jumping back in Linux and starting to look at some more stuff, where accessibility is at when I start get back into uh, you know helping out accessibility in Linux because it needs it, and I'm going to. But I think I'm going to focus more on my efforts into. Uh, like the QT and KDE, like Orca and stuff doesn't really work on that right now, which is fine. And I think I'd rather find something from scratch because KDE looks like they got a lot of way more of their stuff together. Like it, like just across the board with like their libraries and all that stuff. They just run more of a tighter ship, if you will. Oh, yeah. And like I'm the guy who incessantly makes fun of Fedora not being a real distribution. It's not a real boy. And how KDE is bloatware intensified on like cocaine. My feelings have changed. Maybe they've changed. I hear you. Maybe it's just my perception of them changed. Now, when I look at KDE, not KDE, but when I look at KDE Plasma, I see an unbelievable yeah. amount of like symmetry, organization, and vision like everyone knows what we're working towards kind of thing um to where i'm shocked at when i load exactly. a plasma desktop how it uses less resources than qt gnome xfce or regular kde it, it boggles my mind well yeah because i mean really those plasmas are like these tiny little almost their own uh autonomous things where you know like, like i don't know it's really cool i don't know how kde does it or how those plasmas really work, it's like technically in the background, but it's impressive. Like, like you just pointed out, it runs so light. I don't know how they did it, but it's it's crazy. Yeah, and well, part of it is I just think after the KDE 4.0 jump, they decided to like rebase everything off of newer, fresher code. Um, I'm starting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to believe once in a while, you know, blowing your nose, let's say, is a good thing. <laughs> well, I think when everything jumped to QT5, that's when I think Plasma really hit in, in a whole book. Because I believe they're in QT5 now, if I, my memory is correct. But yeah, um, yeah, when they hit 5. I think that's when, like, I think you're right, though. Plasma 4 brought kind of a, a newerish code base. They're like, all right, let's just kind of maybe get the cruft off here and, and get this thing to the next level. But yeah, they, um, I really wish it was accessible, honestly. KD, I, I, you know, maybe I'd be using it right now. But. Hey, I'm still using open source, you know, uh, screen reader. I'm still using LibreOffice on Windows. I still use open source software. I'm just not using a open source operating system. Right, and I will say, um, I am. I, you know, I have to use Windows for work, and it is like parts of it is. I'm not going to lie. It's convenient. In air quote. One of the lies now in Windows is a shutdown is not a shutdown. A shutdown is we're going to hibernate. And then if you do a restart, it's not a restart. It's a reboot, which makes no sense. Mm. So now if you're having issues in Windows, you don't shut down and rest and then boot it back up. It does nothing. You have to do a reboot in order for it to actually refresh all the services. It makes no sense. It's freaking Windows, man. Um, but speaking about an old distribution there in Windows, let's talk about a new distribution. And I did send you an email, but I'm almost hoping that you did not 
look at this because I want to get your initial knee-jerk kind of reaction to just the headline alone. And the you headline- know what? I, I did see the email, and, and I accidentally deleted it. So I, oh. I actually didn't read it. So. Okay. <laughs> well, because I saw the email, and I was kind of going, delete, delete, delete. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, crap. But all right, so here we go. Okay, here's the headline. Ike Doherty. That alone should cause some sort of reaction, but it, it is Ike Doherty's Serpent OS spins up its first ISO. This was article on December 24th, 2022. Serpent OS, you say, huh? Yes, Ike Doherty. Now, for those not in the know, long story short, Ike Doherty had an incredibly um, different childhood than anybody listening to this podcast. Number one, I guarantee you completely you can't even there's no movie okay that can say all the stuff that he went through kind of thing number two um he spun up um um solus decided i need to now make some money here you somebody over here you take care of solus okay then he went to intel making bank to ching 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 he basically developed designed implemented clear linux which um became the standard on basically how Intel decided to optimize, move forward, and start this discrete GPU process. It was cl- it was clearly, no pun intended, the fastest Linux in existence for like four years. Okay. I believe he got money. He got he feels fine. Um he went back to whiskey. And now he's starting Serpent OS. And I <laughs> and I will say the guy in my Discord chat said, look, I'm not trying to be mean, but how long till he abandons this distribution? And I was wondering. Yeah, because there's that problem with Solus, right? Because he did have kind of a some back and forth a bit with that, right? Well, and I want to say there was actually one other distribution right before, right after Solus. Where yeah, we jumped I think, I think Solus was something before, and it turned into Solus, I want to say. Yeah, where it was a source-based distribution uh, trying to do stuff differently, and it did, and it was beautiful with Bungie Desktop. And I was gonna say, him. did he also create that Bungie Desktop too? I do believe if he didn't make it, he at least popularized it and put spit and polish on it to make it what it was. Yeah, because I know that was part of Solus OS, and that was kind of what made it. Um, I didn't try it at the time because I, I don't think it was accessible or whatever, maybe. But well, I'll say this: the main reason I didn't do a lot with it was because it it wasn't like my like niche with me i want something that is extremely keyboard driven not mouse driven yeah and solus was yeah. incredibly mouse driven is what i'll say um now and when the yeah, guy said yeah. and when the guy said how much longer till he abandons it i wanted to say something and then i stopped and i said i can't he's right so then i stopped and said okay now yeah publicly, yeah <laughs> like well, like what's the over under if this is vegas what's the over under is it three years? Is it four years? Is it five years before he finds something else that he finds really interesting? I don't know, but I'm willing to check it out. I'm willing to see if it's any good. I'm willing to provide feedback because let me tell you something right now. If you do not provide feedback to a thing, you might as well not even be using it, is what I'll say. Um, especially when something is new. Yeah, or, or, or if you don't want to provide feedback, don't complain about it. Hey, true, true. Um, but I will say, to me, the most impressionable people by your feedback are people starting something new. So if you want to make an impact, if you dreamt, you know how your dream operating system works, looks, behaves, feels. Um, if you contact somebody who's starting a new distribution like Serpent OS, they're much more likely to take you at your word and see, well, can I implement this in my operating system where if you try to say to like the Debian maintainers what they need to do, I'm pretty sure they're going to be like, excuse me, kid, we got this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, did it say what, if he was going to be basing it off of anything or, you know, what's, what's, what's Serpent OS going to be? Honestly, I was waiting till I could find it in um, dist- um, DistroWatch. Dist- in Watch because look, if anybody's going to have accurate information, know what they're typing and reliably say facts about a distribution. It was that. And I still didn't say exactly available there yet. Oh, okay. Um, basically uh, the tagline where they just said in like a interview kind of thing was, this is a pivotal moment for our project as we finally become a real, if not sucky distro, the future is incredibly bright and we intend to deliver on 
every one of our promises. Now, first, okay. off, first off, I'll say rule number one with naming your things. Let's not name it off of something that is already extinct. You know, like Mastodon. You know, that, that, that doesn't really give a good impression. <laughs> okay. Number two, maybe you shouldn't call yourself something deadly unless your goal is to, like, attack. You know, like you're um, the... Um, like you're in the movie Dodgeball and you're the Vipers, you know, maybe, I don't know. If you can't dodge a wrench, you can't dodge a ball. Exactly. Um, Cause now when I hear Serpent OS, the first thing that goes to my mind is this is going to be like a Cali alternative. This is going to be something to do penetration testing mm, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. I feel like I have to have the Cobra Kai logo. Well, in uh Neo fetch, which every, Buddy on YouTube and everyone seems to just be enthralled with being able to run NeoFetch and get a ASCII art logo. It doesn't look anything like Cobra Kai, is what I'm saying. <laughs> now, did it say if he was good, like anything about like the desktop or anything like that? Does it say what, you know, whatever promises they say to deliver or whatever? Like, what's the goal of Serpent OS? Well, I mean, okay, I will say uh, enough. Of this two-year nonsense, we're finally ready to lift off. It is with immense pleasure we can finally announce that Serpent OS has transitioned from a promise to a deliverable bye-bye phantomware. Um, a real software collection, a community, an ISO. It sucks. Next steps. Not seeing anything obviously telling me. Huh. Let's come here. If we go to About OS, take control of your computer, get the most from your hardware, enjoyable and reliable experience, improve your experience behind the scenes, develop and contribute fast and efficiency, be part of a thriving community, have fun while interacting with others, and contributions. So, nothing really about. Yeah, so it doesn't really give much information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And right now, there's apparently four people on the team. Uh, So, yeah. I will try to at least download it in a VM, take a peek at it. Um, I would love if it just had just a simple, here are the base features, like, like you said, like office development, art type development, gaming type development. Because I know for a while there, like he was missing some of his milestones because he couldn't stop loading up uh, certain video games. <laughs> Which, you know, happens to the best of us. Yeah, no, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I, I, I'd like to see him do something because he always did seem to do exciting stuff and kind of rattle cages and you know it's not it seems like linux could use something like that right now so and yeah like 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 you said i still i mean the older i get the more i feverishly believe disruption not only gets attention disruption is the way that we innovate at a higher level at a faster level um, if you literally just take the knob and instead of going from 10 to 11, it's a big deal. So what? So your drummer died in a bus accident. Nobody cares. You got to take the exactly. knob and you got to instead push it to FF. You got to just literally try to change the game. Exactly. So yeah, I'm actually, actually happy about that. Now, you mentioned accessibility, Jonathan, and this was another one that I wanted to keep close to my chest um, before showtime because it's one of those things that I think can by de facto accident provide extreme accessibility while at the same time being a legitimate like development kind of platform okay it's a tool called termwind t-e-r-m-w-i-n-d um and it the tagline is very short termwind allows you to build unique and beautiful php command line application using the Tailwind CSS API. In short, it's like Tailwind CSS, but for the PHP command line application. So when I look Interesting. at this, yeah, when I look at this, it's basically you can take, if you, PHP is not a super complicated uh, language, okay? It's not as easy as Python, but nothing in the world is as easy as Python, okay? Um, but then you can take that and basically right. you, can, <laughs> you can make I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, uh, you can create simplified, like, path applications, the way I call them. You start, you get a menu, you get choices, you then branch off, you go deeper into the menu kind of thing. There's a, the availability, anything you can do in PHP, you can have text boxes, radio boxes, um, memo boxes, um, uh, clickable um, options kind of thing. 
to where there's no reason why if you create an application in this interface, it is not by default completely accessible because everything is literally in displayed in clear text. Right, right. So yeah, I saw this and I thought it was definitely cool. I could definitely, and, and now here's the other pluses and minuses to this, okay? One, it's not as beautiful as people want on today's iPads and everything else. But two, as long as you're running in a bash terminal, I believe this thing will be ubiquitously easily distributable and run exactly as you expected on a lot of different platforms and interfaces. Um, the third one is, I think we're going to have a big boost of dumb terminals is the best way I can put it. Home appliance interfaces that are extremely low powered, extremely budgeted, and extremely simplified where there's no reason why we couldn't have these kinds of interfaces literally run off of blips of power where like a battery could last for like three years kind of thing. Um, you don't. Yeah, want, exactly. Yeah. You don't want full motion video where you expect a battery to last for three years. Yeah, no, totally. That, yeah. And kind of speaking of that in a, in a slightly different sense, I ran into this website today and I was kind of poking around for stuff. And I found this website, I think it was called like shadowcomputing.com or something like that. I was checking it out. Dude, this like blew me, kind of blew me away. Like speaking of kind of like terminal computing or whatever, it was basically like a service where, you know, you could be like on your cell phone or like, you know, a Chromebook or something. And you, you have your internet connection and you, you go to like your shadow computing, the shadow computing website and you log in. It's like a computer and like you're basically using like this, you know, Windows computer or whatever through the internet, but you're using the computing power on the other end. So like you could be on your Chromebook and just like tap into this like mega awesome gaming computer and like do PC gaming on that end. I was like, that's insane. Like, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy. Like that type of computing and that kind of, it's like a different way of, uh, I was just like another way to tap into power if you don't have it yourself, you know, like on your end. I was pretty nuts. Yeah, I will say my buddy uh, Liam, as soon as Stadia launched, and he was like, I don't know why you would use Stadia when you can use this. And it was literally like three or six bucks a month service. Of course, you pay more, you got more GPUs, more more RAM, more process power in back. To where quite literally, it was a Windows environment. You could load up like Cyberpunk, 27 cent, and it would run perfectly fine. And it was basically like RDP. You would like RDP into the desktop, but you weren't RDPing because this way was more efficient, more... Uh, streamlined for the video and audio synchronization kind of thing. And he was like, as long as you have, and it was very minimal needs, it was like two megs down or something, you could literally run a 1080p full screen game on a computer that, you know, you couldn't run locally because you didn't have the power kind of thing. Um, these kinds of remote things, I think, will only become more popular. Um, I want to say Dell is trying to do almost the same kind of thing. Remember, this is the back and forth of supercomputer, mainframe, desktop computer. We're always going to go back and forth. Um, Dell is trying to release the next generation of basically Alienware, where instead it's a server sitting in a closet that has so much power to it, multiple people in the house can log into it like an LTE, uh, a terminal server, and have your gaming experience centralized there. Dude, that's interesting. Yeah, it's the kind of thing I do think, especially if you have like three kids in the house. Um, yeah, dude, that that's actually interesting, man. That's interesting. Yeah, and it literally could save tons of money, uh, number one. Number two, it's the kind of thing where Dell, I think, doesn't have a problem with sticking it to Microsoft or Sony if they can. I hear you. Well, especially as a private company and everything, too, you know? Yeah, they went back and forth with that before, I think. But yeah, that's I'm gonna have to check that out because that's really interesting. That that is a cool concept. Yeah, and it, of course it was one of those things that made no sense in the naming of it. It was literally like N Y X E Nix. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, now I want to take this completely different and completely serious for just a couple of seconds. Um, I'm gonna stretch the where this show I think talks about. Um, we have uh, Russia invading Ukraine. We have China. Making open remarks about Taiwan. We have Iran supplying goods to Russia. We have all these countries doing all these different kind of things. And as an open source community, as a floss community, we typically just put our stuff out there and we don't call it good. We don't call it evil. It's just it is. And you can use it how you want. 
But the question is coming, I think, going to approach the open source environment more and more each day is, should open source, and this is the title of the article, should open source um, sniff the, G, I mean, the, the verbiage on this thing, it's horrible. Should, it was on the register, uh, should open source. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, uh, sniff the geopolitical wind and bail itself, uh, I'm sorry, and ban itself in China and Russia. Um, there's no reason why, <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's no reason why me as a site maintainer, I couldn't have in my records if the IP address requesting my website is in Russia or China, re redirect them to, you know, some uh, trolling website kind of thing. Um, I have so many mixed feelings about this because first off, who is going to sit there and judge? Who's going to be the absolute executor of judgment on who is good and who is bad? Who should get our content? Who shouldn't get our content? As soon as somebody says, I know what that answer is, then you have a socialist dictator environment. So part of me says, there should not be one rule of who can and who can't. If I'm a maintainer and I'm developing code, I might be comfortable making that choice with my own stuff, but I don't know if people should be making it for other people. Well, dude, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of open source. You can't freaking stop it. Like, if someone in China wants to use XYZ source code, guess what? They're going to clone the, you know, they're going to clone the Git, the, the Git uh, repo, and then now, they have, now they're going to just become the maintainers themselves. I mean... Someone maintaining, you know, XYZ program, maybe, you know, maybe if you get a pull request from someone in Russia or China, yeah, sure. Can you say, hey, I'm not comfortable taking, you know, taking in your court, your source code. I'm not going to implement this into my, yeah, you have, you totally have the right to do that as a maintainer of the project. But to try and stop it is completely ridiculous. Yeah, I'll say it's pointless. It really is pointless. Um, it's just like you said, the internet. If I try to implement a, I don't know, let's just call it a great firewall, per se, um, nobody in that country is going to actually be stopped from doing what they want to do. They just have to take one more step. Um, exactly. And all, and all it takes is five seconds of insight or research and then five minutes of implementation for them to make that one more step. There's nothing about it that's complex or convoluted. You actually touched on what I think is the more important question. The question isn't, should we restrict people from getting our code? No, you should never restrict anybody from getting our code. Why? Just because the country is Russia does not mean everybody in that country is bad. Just because the country exactly. origin IP like, is China you, exactly. doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, and and that's one thing that like really makes me incredibly mad. Um, the country itself is not bad. Okay, the people in the country are just as innocent as anybody else in any other country in the world. Dude, if you look at the stats on GitHub, oh, I believe this literally almost 50% of code committed to GitHub is from China. Oh, I, I absolutely believe it. Um, now, if me as a code maintainer, I want to make pay special attention to where my code is coming from and maybe have it go through another hurdle of inspection Dude, good, fine. If you think that's what you need to do, you do it. I can tell you, me, as if I was a maintainer, I would have such implicit knowledge of my own thing that I would be able to sniff out something malicious way before it ever met yeah, absolutely. to absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, trying to limit people's exposure is censorship. And really, the, here's the thing. The real reason I hate censorship of any kind, Jonathan, is because I like being able to immediately know when I'm talking to an idiot or talking to a racist or talking, <laughs> you know I mean? or, or talking to an anti-Semite. I like when people believe they can speak as freely as they want to, because then it makes me just very quickly know, completely know where that person's coming from and whether I should no, talk, totally. talk to them at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're 100% right. Yeah, so it's like, you know, for the register to me to do some kind of article like this, I don't want to say it's clickbait because it's not. At least it makes people stop and think about things, but to try to deliver a judgment on that kind of well, question. Well, I mean, it, it it certainly goes along with uh, our, our um, uh, damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? It definitely goes along with like our media where they're just politicizing everything they possibly can, you know? Oh, yeah, that's I think I say that's I think the role of media is to 
over-exaggerate anything it can for splashy headlines. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, again, at the end of the day, it, it it's open. So it literally, like, that's almost kind of the beauty of it. Like, you can't kind of stop it. Like, once once the horses are out of the barn, forget about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a tool I wanted to bring to the show only because, well, because I know people out there that would like it and would use it. Um, I'm going to dabble with it maybe, but I'm definitely going to be very reluctant to do any change to my um, flow of how I do things. Because the more components in the chain, the more likely things go boom. Um, but this at least yes, caught my attention. Yeah, works. Yeah. But this at least caught, caught my attention. Because, Jonathan, remember, if I'm not mistaken, uh, instead of using Pulse, if you used, um, what's it called? Alsa? Uh, Jack. Jack. The Jack Audio Connection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. You had all these different effects you could in real time do to where on a lot of other platforms you could only do like reverbs or other you know, other kind of effects after the fact. Do it in like a real time kernel was not easy to do. Jack lets you do it. So, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this one is called Easy Effects Audio Effects for Pipewire Applications. Now, really quick, this application was formerly known as Pulse Effects, but now it's renamed to Easy Effects after it started to use GKA4 GStreamer usage and was replaced by native Pipewire filters. Now, with that said, it looks like Pulse Audio is slowly being deprecated out of main distributions and replaced by Pipewire. Um, so I think it's one of those okay, things. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting, and I understand how um, um, certain people hate Pulse. I get it. I got it. I get it. I got it. That's good. I, I, no, I wouldn't even say certain people. I think a lot of people hate it. <laughs> well, I can tell you, with me, once I found PAVU control, I no longer hated Pulse because it gave me Yeah, that, that did solve a lot of problems, yeah. Yeah, but, and I understand why still people hate it. But these changes I'm seeing seems like they're taking the things that people hate and they're intensifying it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm saying, okay. Um, but with easy effects here, it's a very graphical uh, interface for you to enable effects. And here's just some of the effects. Audio gain, bass enhancer, bass loudness, compressor, um, crosshead, crystallize, de-esser, echo cancellation, equalizer, exciter, gate, Filter for low pass, high pass, band pass, band reject modes, limiter, loudness, maximizer, multi band compressor, multi band gate, noise reduction, pitch, reverb, and stereo tools. That's a hell of a lot. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And, and this is the kind of thing where I will say if, if I had, okay, this harkens back to the garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. Uh, if me and Jonathan always communicate and we always have the same effects, the same backgrounds, the same settings, the same environment, and I can go into this tool and I could already set the compressor, the multi-compressor, the de-esser, the equalizer, all those things. So when I'm done hitting record, it's literally just dump that file into the exactly. sequencer and done. Um, if tomorrow I have a fan behind me or tomorrow Jonathan has a different mic kind of thing, you then get to rejigger all of those tools um, before the before it becomes usable again. So if you have an incredibly stable input week after week after week, month after month after month, then you should more lean towards these kinds of tools is what I'll say. Well, if I was on Linux, I'd check it out. Well, I will say um, I still have never found anything on Windows that can do the, um, um, like, I'm going to say what they call it on Mac was like the pipe management where you could easily like pipe your yeah, audio the, around there. yeah the yeah there's nothing cool like that on windows for, for sure at least not that not by default or that i'm aware of yeah if there is i've never heard of such a thing as well say um but yeah i thought that was cool for those people that need or want those kind of changes in your interface as well i'll say um me i'm a little bit i'm always a little bit hesitant to just in, introduce more links into the chain yeah keep it simple is always the best way to go yeah, and I will say uh, one article on here that I had, I just brought just because uh, it harkened back to an old Klaatu uh, um, episode where he was talking about things coming into uh, public domain. And for years there, we had nothing coming into the public domain. Um, this year, January 1st, one of the things that we got in public domain is Winnie the Pooh, as long as he's not wearing a red shirt. If he's not wearing a red shirt, apparently no kidding. he's public domain. Um, we do have a movie. 
uh, already like ready to come out. I want to say uh, before March, where it's going to be Winnie the Pooh basically in a bloodbath, killing people and stuff. Because you know, <laughs> exactly. Someone's gonna make it on Blender. Oh yeah, I already saw the uh, preview for it. Um, oh, you did. Oh, that's oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, it's already banned in China because he doesn't like Winnie the Pooh in China. Man. Um, some Agatha Christie stuff is coming into the public domain. Uh, certain Sherlock Holmes stuff is also coming to the public domain. Um, That's interesting. But I think it's the same way. In certain settings, it's not going to be allowed. Um, it, it's I'll just okay. say weird. Okay. Uh, so there's an article here if you're interested on publicdomainreview.org. If you want to see some of the most recent things going to be coming to the public domain. But I don't care about the public domain for one reason, Jonathan. Because I might have regained a little bit of faith today, I'm not going to lie, because I heard that it's approved and it's done and it's going to be released this spring in an eight-part series on Hulu. Uh, Mel Brooks is finally going to do History of the World Part 2. Yeah, I saw you put a link to that. <laughs> and, and I'm like so you know, like childlike giddy over that. Um, it was the first thing I remember seeing as a kid that was a true musical from like beginning to end. I'm not going to count Greece, you know, kind of thing. Um, but was actually to me like entertaining from like beginning to end. I like, couldn't stop watching the damn thing. So I'm giddy for it. Some people are like, "Oh man, can't you leave well enough alone?" And I'm typically the guy that says that. But when Mel Brooks has complete creative control, I oh, I got faith, brother. Because, I hear you. I hear you. Because yeah, one thing I'm positive about is if Mel Brooks is still Mel Brooks, everybody is going to be extremely upset at at least one thing in that series because that's what Mel Brooks does. Exactly. What is it? It's a, uh, what is it? Everything's a joke until it offends you or something like that, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm just looking forward to that. I will say also another like tangent entertainment news here at the end. If you have not seen Violent Night yet, it is incredibly worth the watch. Oh, Mike wants to watch it. Well, it's on my Plex server, so, you know, it's there. All right, I'll have to let him know that. I'll have to let him know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I still don't watch any TV. I still don't watch any movies. I still listen to 24 hours of podcasts, more than that a day kind of thing. Um, I will say, um, the YouTube stuff, I still, I have a YouTube uh, sponsor block, and I have YouTube Enhancer that lets me go up to, like, 5X for YouTube videos. So, I'm now watching, air quote, more things. But I'm not watching, you know, TVs or CSIs or FBI. Yeah, or I hear what you're po- saying. Polices or firemen or any of that crap. Yeah, I hear you, dude. Yep, yep. So I'm just, you know, plugging along kind of thing. Now, again, we're at the end of the show, so here's another tangent. I have 46 months left until I can retire from my 9 to 5. Um, so I'm now not counting the years. I'm now down to counting the months. <laughs> which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. So here in like 20 months or so, I'm going to start counting the weeks. And then we're just going to keep counting down. Uh, the wife made it very clear that when I get done, I'm going to have to have a job of some sort. Um, part of me wants to try to make Todd Nuts full-time. Part of me wants to do some sort of cooking full-time. Uh, part of my, my friends and everything keep telling me how I need to do like a consulting business. Because like, here's an example. And now in the last four months, I've had three different people come up to me and say, hey, blah, 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 died. How do we get to his phone? To which I reply, you don't. You cannot. You will not. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, so there is a Google service. It's literally called Inactive Account. Uh, if you just Google search um, Google Inactive Account, you can say, if I don't unlock my phone, if I don't open my email and delete email or open email for X number of days, send a link to this other email address and grant that person access to my account. Um, Apple does it. Google does it. Facebook does it. Um, Most big things do it kind of thing. Um, Those are the kind of things, dare I say, like setting up your will and testament. You should do it before it's too late. Um, And the real reason is, you know, if I tomorrow die, I would like it. My wife could at least open up my email and just do a select all whatever and just say here, Steve passed away, just to let you know, kind of thing. And then if people want to talk to her directly about how much of a jerk I was in life, they can. And then she'll say, I know he was a jerk. I lived with him. She can get back all the good, he deserved it emails. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) 
So I will say, I also got some more, I don't care, more good news, Jonathan. Um, Ross Winter emailed me and said, the antique gun show in Maryland is going to be held again this year, like March, end of March. So oh, he, man. Amen so, to that. Yeah, so he, he, he asked me to keep at least one day open, which, of course, yes, I will. Absolutely. I might have to make myself free on that day. Well, and I will say um, I am then finally mentally and physically opening myself back up to take treks to different events of any kind. Um, I will say part of me always wants to go see Cody and Martin and Aaron and all those guys up there because they're awesome. Um, but again, I got Mike, I got Bruce, I got you. Um, so I'm going to try to make more endeavors this year is my goal is what I was going to say. Uh, if you have an event by you, yeah, me that's too. not, that's not in Southern uh, America in the middle of August. Then let me know. Cause I'm not traveling in the middle of a bayou in the middle of August. It ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I made a lot of like poor decisions in my life. That's not going to be one of them. So uh, basically what I'm going to say is, do everything you can to help each other. Do everything you can to support each other. And like Jonathan, man, use what tools, A, get stuff done, but B, when possible, give open source a chance. Um, if you know there's a project out there that's budding, that's right now starting up, that's the time to basically inject yourself into the conversation and try to guide things to what you think is the right way to do it. Um, I am going to send a little just email to Ike, just congratulating him on spinning up and yeah, becoming totally. a real boy. Exactly. And looking forward to his future work because, again, he's a uh, usually motivated person when he does things. So, Well, and, and I got no problem saying it like this. He's obviously motivated, but he obviously has a type of intelligence that not a lot of people have um, to where he sees certain things that other people just doesn't see. He's able to do certain exactly. things that I believe would take other people like months and he's able to do in a very short period of time. So I always look forward to what kind of disruption he's jumping on next. And if that means in two years, Serpent OS doesn't exist anymore, well, I'm still going to support him. I hear it, because you might do something cool in that meantime. Yeah, because then you might get a Steam Deck, and we might be able to play games together. <laughs> very cool. Um, uh, Admiral Nadu, uh, do you have any uh, parting words? Uh, nope, just use open source when you can, and uh, it's it's the better way to go. Absolutely cannot, will not uh, uh, disagree in any shape, way, or form. Uh, so with all that said, I want to thank everyone for coming out. Thank everyone for their emails. And whatever you do, do not stop uh, using open source whenever you can. Take it easy, everybody. See ya.